Hello, everyone, and welcome to the new episode of Rabbit Holes Podcast. We are up to episode six. Woo! Six. Very exciting. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Elise. And I'm your other host, Andy. Good Sunday morning to you all. From our podcast fort, which we posted photos of last week uh, as we were sitting down to record this week. Um, We had that podcasting rite of passage happen to us where we thought we were recording, and then it turns out we weren't. Yeah. So we have gotten over that hump, uh, and from now on, nothing but smooth sailing is what I'm predicting. And no fridge issues. And no fridge issues. Uh, Our podcasting fort is set up to hopefully avoid picking up any background of my fridge. So It's also way quieter than the fridge of loudness. Yes, the the world's loudest fridge, as I called it it last week. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we are working out kinks. Stick with us. Um, We hope the, the crazy, insane content that we're giving you guys is worth all the headaches of everything else. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Andy, you want to tell the people about where they can find us before we dive into our stories? Yes, you guys can find us on our website at rabbitholespodcast.com. You can email us at rabbitholespodcast at gmail.com, especially if you have any feedback or any uh, weird rabbit holes you have been down yourself. Uh, feel free to tell them tell us about them. You can also reach us on Twitter at Rabbit Holes Pod, Facebook, Rabbit Holes Podcast page, Instagram at Rabbit Holes Podcast. Absolutely. And um, if you guys want to consider going on to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or wherever else you're getting this podcast, uh, it would really help us out if you left us a review or a rating. Um, It's how we get noticed in the big old world of podcasts, which the more we get into this, the more I realize is growing exponentially by day. It is huge. Yes. So uh, help get us some attention. uh, Share the good word with your friends and family. And yeah. Make sure we keep getting any sort of reinforcement that somebody's listening and we're not just screaming out into the void so that we keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, we both need hobbies, so you know. This is true. Yes, because cats aren't a hobby. Or they shouldn't be until you're in your 60s. That's my problem. <laughs> Which they have both scattered. They did. Andy rolled up and they just took off. <laughs> so on to our stories. Yes, please. How do we want to figure out who's going first today? Uh, you can go first. I can go first? Okay. So when we started this podcast and we were talking about rabbit holes, I was a little worried that we weren't going to have enough crazy to sustain us. <laughs> I know. It was a foolish thought. Um, not you of you. It really was. Uh, the internet is continuously growing and getting weirder by day, I think. So as I was wondering and worrying about these things, I was unloading a grocery bag and in it was a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos. And I wondered, could a rabbit hole be formed out of this crazy thing called ranch flavoring? And it was kind of a, a way for me to prove the validity of our podcast, and longevity, possible longevity. So I just dove in and I looked for building a rabbit hole off of just the simple concept of ranch flavoring. And who boy, did it ever work. <laughs> so I texted Andy at one point during my notes taking, and I was just like, holy shit, you would not believe how weird stuff gets out here. So we are diving into all things ranch flavored. 
I started off by just a simple Google search of the term ranch flavor, and that led me to a HuffPost article by Kate Brassdeeker titled, You Eat It All the Time, But What Exactly Is Ranch Dressing? Well, that's a good question. Ranch is a bit of a, a weird flavor profile, and I mean, you can tell me there's 800 things in it, and I would believe you, because I can't peg down two of them. So, it's also a weird name. It is. It is. But I think we can explain it pretty easily uh, once you understand the, the history of it. So, uh, back to Kate's question, what exactly is ranch dressing? She provides some background and tells us that it's the most popular dressing shipped to food service outlets. The Hidden Valley Food Company credits itself with patenting the flavor, um, and Hidden Valley was actually a ranch, a tourist location, so I hope that's where they get the name from. I would assume so. I would hope so. Uh, the key ingredients, the base of it, is buttermilk, sour cream, and mayo. And then the flavor comes from mix of spices that generally include dill and chives. Uh, it's like I said, a mixed bag though. So it depends on what you like, I guess, is how you can flavor your ranch at home. Uh, the article links through to uh, some recipes for it. Uh, and so to just give you an idea of if you wanted to make yours at home, you start off with some well-shaken buttermilk, a bit of sour cream, a little bit of mayo, one teaspoon finely chopped herbs, um, any combination, they suggest fresh tarragon, dill, parsley, chives, or celery leaves. Can't forget to add one glove of garlic, minced very fine. And then these next two ingredients are where it got weird for me. I don't think necessarily this goes in uh, ranch dressing, but a half teaspoon of Dijon mustard and a few dashes of Tabasco sauce or any hot sauce that you're looking for. Yeah, those are weird, weird additions. Sorry, that's me chiming in, thought I had turned that down. There we go. Um, if you don't happen to have a quart of buttermilk just kicking around, because, you know, it's no longer 1950s and we're not drinking the stuff for breakfast, uh, just go... People drank buttermilk for breakfast? Yeah, it was heartening. Oh, <laughs> stopping. That too. <laughs> Lord. Uh, just go pick up a small little thing of um, heavy cream, throw it in a mason jar and shake it. Uh, one good side is you'll get butter, and the other, what's left over, is actually buttermilk. Or you can just add lemon juice or vinegar to a cup of milk, let it sit for a few minutes, give it a stir, and you get buttermilk. True. But then you don't get the fun side effect of butter. Or the obscene. Yeah. Uh, the one and only time I made it was before the most recent royal wedding, and it was just me shaking a mason jar of buttermilk. And with my voluptuous bust size, it ended up being very obscene for a very long time. Think of a shake weight <laughs> commercial. Yeah. So fun was had by all, and it was really glad. I was really glad that I didn't have windows that looked out onto the neighborhood while making it. So that is kind of some base information about ranch as a, a thing. Um, but of course, the internet is a weird and wild place and it just keeps going and going and going. So I ran another search and I found a listicle on thrilllist.com by Julianne Fetter titled 10 Things You Probably Didn't Know About Ranch Dressing. And this gives a bit more of a background on the history and all that. Uh, so the original recipe was created by Steve Henson, who was a plumber from Alaska. He created it while cooking for his co-workers. 
And then he and his wife moved to California, bought a ranch, and continued building the brand uh, by selling it to local grocery stores and the tourists that visited their property. In 1972, they sold the name and the recipe to Clorox brand for $8 for sorry, eight million dollars. That's pretty good. It yeah. is. Yeah. 1972, eight million. It's not that bad. Your heart's gonna break in a minute when I tell you in in 2015, Hidden Valley sold 440 million worth of ranch dressing. Wow. So that 8 million might have seemed real good at the 70s, but. Could you hang on to that? Then again, they didn't have the juice that the Clorox family brand has behind them, so. Yeah. Um, I mean, still, you could. In 1970, you probably could have lived off that. They could have been, They enjoyed their 20 years, their $8 million. I mean, $8 million, 2018, I would live comfortably for. At least until CPP kicks in. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> just give me two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, just clear clear the clear the debts, the house. We're all good after yeah. that. So of that four hundred and forty million worth of ranch dressing, most of it was sold in the South and Midwest U.S. Probably not a surprise, but since creating the original, Hidden Valley has developed seventy varieties of ranch dressing, including avocado, cucumber. Pizza and taco. It's mm, yeah. that sounds gross. Yeah, I'm not slathering. Pizza, okay. Dipping your pizza in ranch, I see, but mixing ranch and pizza flavor in one bottle just sounds disgusting. Bit of an unholy, yeah, unholy mess. Yeah. As does taco uh, and ranch. So like when they decided to do green ketchup, like no <laughs> no my dad put his foot down he's like i'm not buying that because you're gonna put it on your plate and absolutely refuse to touch the rest of it i was like good call sir fair enough because <laughs> it looks like boogers <laughs> yeah and didn't they do purple ketchup purple yeah that, that at least was slightly but who who even as kids like you might love the color purple they won't eat it <laughs> i can't get my kids to eat anything anyway <laughs> if they'd eat Green ketchup, I'd be all for it, to be honest. I don't care what it looked like. They ate some eggs. Right. <laughs> Hidden Valley also makes a vegan ranch product. Oh, I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, it just wigs me out. Anything that should look like a milk product and isn't, I don't know. There's also a lot of, like, buttermilk, sour cream, and mayo. This is are, what I'm saying. Are the basis of this whole enterprise. Right. How does one make that vegan? It's not like you can just throw some almond milk in there and say, have a day. True. Because I once tried making pudding with almond milk, and it just did not set properly mm. at all. So, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on average, 40% of all salad dressing consumed in the U.S. is ranch-flavored. Uh, Italian dressing is a distant second at 15%. So, we North Americans love our calorie-full... Oh, that's true. Uh, products and our artery clogging sauces to put on foods. <laughs> a sauce fan. I'm a very picky eater for our listeners. So if my mother actually ever figures out, I'd be like, mm hmm, she is. <laughs> I'm a huge sauce fan. <laughs> I like things to taste like they should taste. For the most part. Right. Uh, and just to further skeeve you out, if you're not a fan of ranch flavorings, Lester's Fixins Soda makes a ranch flavored soda drink. That the article describes as smelling like rancid blue cheese. Oh, I love pop. Like I, I have an unhealthy addiction to. 
it's my addiction. Uh, but no, no. And I love all things ranch, but I'm not drinking it. Especially it's carbonated. <laughs> for that's an old holy option. Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Just, just say no, people. <laughs> just say no. Say no to unwise food choices. Uh, so the most common salad dressing brand that I see when I go grocery shopping here in Canada is Kraft. So when I found out that they had a website titled Ranch Dressing Trends, I had to check it out. Uh, they claim their Canada's number one flavor of salad dressing is ranch, and that matches with our American neighbors. Kraft also claims that 81% of Canadian homes that buy ranch buy Kraft Ranch. And I believe it because Kraft is that eye-level product yeah. in our grocery store. So Everybody knows who Kraft is. Yeah, exactly. And you're not looking up or down at the cheaper options eye-level because we're lazy, lazy people. Unless you're looking for the Hidden Valley, which is a little bit lower. It's a little bit more expensive. But it is the best, according to my husband. And I mean, it makes sense. They pioneered the whole yeah. hoopla. Uh, apparently, according to Kraft, uh, ranch became, and I'm quoting here, a trend to watch starting in 2015. Uh, but I think our love affair for all things ranch started long, long before that. Yeah. 2015 is not that long ago. Uh, Kraft cites the use of ranch on an episode of Top Shelf Canada as being the precipitating factor for that. Do those people watch Top Chef Canada? For it to be a precipitating factor in anything. <laughs> well, I recently got rid of my cable, but before that, like every other commercial on Food Network was for one That's of the top true. chef franchises. So That's true, I suppose. I just don't watch the Food Network. Yeah. <laughs> I only watch Treehouse. That's right. <laughs> um, apparently on that show, some guy mixed uh, breaded chicken with sriracha and ranch and slapped it on a bun and called it a sandwich and people lost their shit. I mean, I think college students have been doing that for ages so yeah oh. <laughs> i think wendy's has been doing that for ages isn't that what like the mac sauce is like really wow <laughs> big mac sauce is that like just well, rancid mayo and some wendy's doesn't sell big macs i know but <laughs> <sighs> i think it's mayo thousand island dressing and mustard on the big mac i mean like they both have weird oh, sauces, like home but, sauces yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh Side note to the Big Mac story. I used to live with a the world's worst vegetarian, <laughs> uh, a roommate of mine in college, and she was the world's worst vegetarian because she didn't eat vegetables. So uh, she would get... So in Kingston, which is where we went to college, there is a um, McDonald's on Princess Street that has a walk-up window that's open. So the inside of the restaurant isn't open at like 2 in the morning, but right. the walk-up window is because it doesn't have a drive-thru. It has a walk-up window. And it's a school town. And so. it's a school town, and it is right just down the street from all like right the, the major bars at that time. I don't know if they still are. Uh, I would assume so because it's not a very big town. Um, but so <laughs> she used to order a Big Mac without the meat but extra Mac sauce. Ew. So just, just – I'm not – that's McDonald's eater, but yeah, that bread, lettuce, and slop. Yeah, <laughs> gross. Yeah, Ugh, now I'm all skeeved out. Sorry. <laughs> Back to craft. Um, they recommend that you take their product and add spices that you already have at home to build flavors, which I think is cheaping out. I mean, if I'm going to be building flavors, I'm going to do it my damn self. I'm not starting with your product. Yeah, you're doing the work for me. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But if you like spicy things, they recommend adding buffalo sauce, harissa paste, or sambal. 
If you're into a veggie or herb flavor, you can blend in some arugula, basil, chives, dill, or mint. And then if you're feeling adventurous, and I put that in quotes because mint, I know, into ranch dressing. Yeah. One of these things just doesn't belong here. (laughs) Exactly. For the adventurous palates, uh, mix in blue cheese, pickled ginger, preserved lemon, lemon, and or roasted onion. Some of those I might get down with, but I mean, pickled ginger into ranch. It's less adventurous, more just hate yourself. (laughs) So where I had my mind blown while going through this rabbit hole uh, is when I hit the website for Flavor and the Menu which is a magazine um, that looks very, very classy. And they took an almost academic deep dive look into the question of ranch. And this is where I uh, texted Andy, uh, just blown out of my mind. So their article is titled, Back to the Ranch, Sometimes the Key to Successful Flavor Innovation is Hidden in Plain Sight. This article describes ranch as, and I'm quoting, The family minivan of flavors, utilitarian and comfortable, but with just a few upgrades, it's ready to go off-roading, taking diners on flavor adventures. (laughs) See what I mean? Like Flavor adventures. The family minivan. Uh, George Caspedes, research and development chef at Food IQ, says that ranch can be completely reinvented and used to spice up old favorites or familiarize a new concept. And this is where ranch kind of gets its, this is where ranch gets its utilitarian, applies to everything, world's applicability. Uh, The complexity of flavors uh, helps with this. It's both sweet, tangy, it has umami in it, and all of this combines to make it extremely craveable. Ranch is often paired with craveable menu items as well, like wings or chips, and that just reinforces its place in the modern food palette. It's been around for so long and in our diets from such a young age, in North America at least, that uh, we're also able to pick up on the nostalgia factor that comes along with it. And that's extremely powerful now that we are the adults out selecting menu items and it's not our parents Mm -hmm. picking off the kids menu for us. So the article says, ranch offers a wellspring of discovery. Bathed in a familial richness, this well-loved flavor serves as a perfect bridge to global adventures and it can help make our other trends accessible. Global adventures, adventures. and bathed in. Awesome. <laughs> Why do I sound like I just... Uh, that's not... <laughs> bathed in just is, is an image that... Wait, you don't want to like dive into a giant hot tub full of ranch and just like slather that sucker on you? Or like, hey, look, we're going to serve you something that someone bathed in? <laughs> like, here is the tang of filth of stinky feet. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> let's leave bathed out of like the imagery of my food please people no that's fair it's like leaving uh, corneas out of our vaginas exactly yeah that's a callback you're gonna have to listen to the previous episodes to catch uh so in terms of making these other global flavors accessible um the article cites additions of sriracha kale or greek yogurt into ranch dressing I mean, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting kale on a menu these days. That's true, especially hipster restaurants. Yes, exactly. Embellishing ranch at a restaurant also sends premium cues to diners uh, because basically what it's saying is use fancy now because now you can afford beet ranch dressing on your beet kale salad. So 
that's where it sort of a heart back to uh, um, the first bare naked ladies. You know, if I had a million dollars, they'd yes. buy the fancy ketchup. They still eat craft dinner, but they yeah. buy the fancy ketchup. <laughs> so here we are. Exactly, which is basically what all adults do anyway. Yes, <laughs> we're just eating the fancy ketchup, y'all. Yeah. Uh, probably the most dedicated practical application uh, of all things ranch comes from a restaurant called Twisted Ranch in St. Louis, Missouri. And I'm just going to say right now that they should probably sponsor us at this point <laughs> because we're giving them like a 30 minute marketing advert for their products. There so, you go. Uh, I went on their website and they described themselves thusly. Opened in July 2015, we are a restaurant with a full bar dedicated to top quality food and exceptional service in a warm, inviting, family-friendly environment. Everything on our menu is house-made, incorporating our very own ranch seasoning and flavors in every item. We pride ourselves on our fresh ingredients and our proprietary ranch flavors, all 31 of them made fresh daily. And I counted, there are in fact 31 flavors of ranch listed. Baskin-Robbins style. But I think they're 33. So add two more and then compete with Baskin Robbins. Um, menu items include such things on their app menu. Uh, you can order a five or 13 flight of ranch. So you pick what fla ranch flavors you want to try and they're served with fries for dipping. Uh, of course, you can get salads with what else? Ranch dressing. I would top. hope so. I would love to see the person who like rolls in and tries to order like Italian dressing or French and see what happens. I really hope they don't have it. <laughs> like, not even on menu, but, like, just not in-house. <laughs> like, take your crappy taste out of here. We are ranch yeah. all the time. For mains, you could get mac and cheese tossed in cheese bacon ranch sauce, which I think Andy would love because Andy is a huge mac and cheese fan. I know, but I don't like ranch, so I'm not sure <gasps> how that would. How did we get, like, halfway through the story and I'm only now here and you don't like ranch? Probably because I didn't stop to ask. That's true. I'm not a big ranch fan. <laughs> I'm not a big salad dressing fan. Yeah. To start off with? Yeah. To start out with. I eat my salads with just garlic olive oil. <clears throat> like a weirdo. I did try making, there's a tasty recipe for ranch mac and cheese. And you made basically just like mac and cheese and then you stir in a packet of Hidden Valley Ranch flavoring. And like the first bite was okay, but by the second bite, the salt content was so out of control, you could barely taste anything. It was wholly unpleasant. <laughs> I did something similar, and I don't even like ranch all that much. I didn't even put it in, but that's all you could taste was this pasta chicken. And it just sat in my freezer because one of them it was just awful. It was awful. No one would touch it? <laughs> no. No one liked it. No. Uh, also on the menu at Twisted Ranch, uh, for their mains, you can get tofu stir-fry, where the tofu has been tempura-battered in a ranch-flavored battering. Uh, they also have burgers seasoned with variations of their ranch. Uh, what kind of bummed me out was there's no desserts listed on their website. Uh, it's kind of hard to be like, here's this ranch cheesecake, because that does sound disgusting. True. Although, I'm of two minds with this. Like, A, I appreciate... That ranch flavor is hard to work into sweets and in desserts. But B, you've committed to a trend and a theme, so you got to roll with it. That's true. Could you some sort of biscuit, maybe? Or ice cream, because it's a cream base anyway. Like, I, I don't know. There's some really weird-ass ice cream flavors out there. So. Yeah. So, I mean, Twisted Ranch, like, feel free to trial it. <gasps> 
Uh, if you're going to Twisted Ranch, you're probably a fan of ranch flavor in general. So, yeah. uh, or you will have a family member or friend who dragged you there who you no longer speak to. <laughs> that would be me. Yeah. That would be me getting dragged along. <laughs> uh, but the internet is divided on whether or not ranch is the cure to what ails us or if it's the harbinger of the end of our civilization. So the Washington Post published an article by Ben Adler in 2016 titled, Ranch Dressing is What's Wrong with America. <laughs> Because that's what's wrong. Yeah, I know. 2016, that's in that year particularly, you chose ranch as your... That's the hill you're going to die on. Yeah. All right. All right, buddy. But let's see what uh, Ben has to say here. Ranch's dominance is animated, and let me quote here, is animated by a kind of faddish philistinism. Professional food connoisseurs are giving it another look. So Ben clearly has a fine arts degree and he's taking this issue very seriously. Of course. Hip chefs are profiting off of what he calls a glorified junk food, and food critics are cheering them on. He finds this a disgusting trend because ranch tastes like, quote, exactly what it is, which is milk that's halfway rotten, which is kind of not. I mean, there's sour cream in it, which is a little tangy, tangy, but the rest is fine. What Ben says next, I kind of agree with uh, that Americans are using it wrong. Salad should be about the vegetables in it and not about hiding them. But that's what ranch's intended purpose pretty much is, to slather a bunch of it onto something that's supposed to be healthy. Um, negating its healthiness. Negating its healthiness. Um, and it's not just salad that we're doing this with. Oftentimes it's things like uh, deep fried chicken wings or worse, pizza, which is already dripping in mozzarella, which will clog an artery faster than anything else. But so tasty. But so good. Uh, ben also has a problem with the resources that go into producing ranch. Uh, and he finds it makes it an irresponsible commodity. Dairy milk requires uh, more land, water, and resources to farm uh, than grains and veggies do. But, I mean, that's a blanket argument for all vegetarianism. But we'll let Ben have it. And he really hammers in on this whole, like, pizza and ranch combo. Like, you would think a pizza smothered in ranch killed his parents behind the movie theater when he was, like, nine. <laughs> the way he, like, goes into it and just, like, will not let it die. Like, this is, this is very serious for him. So while he doesn't use the word, literally, this article is just an indictment of the hipster culture. Taking the nostalgic and the cheap and upgrading it and overcharging for it and making it a huge cultural thing. So... And serving it on a freaking shovel. Yes. I swear to God, if I ever come across a restaurant that food serves me food that's not on a plate, I'm sending it back. I'm, I'm too old and too crotchety to deal with picking through deconstructed pasta. Like, now, I've never been served deconstructed anything because, again, <laughs> I would, yeah. yeah. But uh, there is a restaurant that both Dan and I like in... Prior that is a little hipsterish, uh-huh. but so the last two times we've gone there, he's had steak. Um, was the steak comes on a cutting board? I kid you not, no. <laughs> and it's it's like that would be fine for me because I have my steaks medium well, so they don't really bleed a lot. But if you had somebody who had like a rare uh-huh. or medium, it's just messy. Yeah, Dan was like, I sh- the last time we went there and he had steaks, like, shit, I forgot to tell them to bring it to me on a plate. <laughs> Because I'm a grown-ass man. I'm a grown-ass man and I don't want to get, like, blood everywhere. Like, really? Just serve shit on plates, people. Come on, guys. Also, a wood cutting board. How hard? Like, you can't stick that in a dishwasher? No. Like, why would you do that to yourself? You can't sanitize that. 
No. You can, but it takes so much more work <laughs> than just sticking a plate into an industrial, like, two bazillion degrees dishwasher. I was going to say, like, do you want to shout them out, like, the restaurant, so that they can compete with Twisted Ranch as our sponsors for this episode? But I don't know the way you kind of got in on them. I think they would probably tell us to shove it. Yeah. <laughs> but their, ba- uh, their bacon, uh, Carbonero, is insanely amazing. <laughs> they used to do this really great pesto pasta dish, too, that they've taken off their menu, sadly. And now we're back so that they can sponsor us because we'll up top their pasta. Yeah, their pasta's really good. <laughs> So, uh, if Ben is decidedly against ranch, I was looking for the counter-argument, and I found an article on Slate titled Ranch Dressing, Why Do Americans Love It So Much? by Brendan Corner. Uh, And so he provides kind of the opposite argument to what Ben was saying, or at least justifies why (laughs) we all love it so much. Uh, He describes ranch as being a rich yet inoffensive taste uh, and doesn't use possibly objectionable uh, ingredients like chilies or anchovies, which makes sense. I mean, you're not going to sell spicy food to a lot of people or fishy food to even more people. So Mm, anchovies are gross. Genetically and evolutionarily, humans are conditioned to like and want things that are fatty or sweet, and ranch is a way of adding um, those flavors to what should be healthy food. So negating, as you said, the properties of a salad. (laughs) This next line from this uh, article by Brendan killed me. He says, quote, short of being blasted in the face with a ranch dressing hose, that's about as intense a fat rush as the human body can handle. And I mean, he's not wrong. (laughs) Ranch uh, as a dressing adds moisture to food without the texture issues that surround mayo that a lot of people have. Um, And then it also avoids the seepage issues that comes from using oil and vinegar. So it's kind of that in-between texture. Uh, And as a fun fact that only came up in this article, kind of at the end of my rabbit hole quest, uh, recipes can't be patented. And that's why there was such an influx of ranch-flavored products following a Hidden Valley's market creation. Um, because it was so popular and they put it out there. And I did not know that you couldn't patent a recipe. So everybody's like copying that. Yeah. Cool. It also explains why the KFC people are so insanely protective of their 11 herbs and spices. Did you know the colonel died in Mississauga? He did not. Yeah, he lived the last... X number of years of his life in Canada in Mississauga. Hmm. Still dressing, however, like a colonel. Well, of course. If you have a style, you stick with it. Yeah. So what are we doing with this stuff? There are good and bad examples out there, uh, and it really all comes down to food preferences. So Thrillist had a listicle by Will Fulton that really caught my fancy. Uh, And it's titled, Is Ranch Bad on Anything? I Tried It on 18 Weird Foods. And I think as we go along that we're going to find that, yes, ranch can be bad on some things. <laughs> but let's find out what Will uh, did that day. Which, I mean, really, it kind of reads like he had a looming deadline for submission coming. <laughs> a bottle of ranch and a lot of time on his hands and no ideas. <laughs> and some random stuff that was about to expire in his fridge. Yes, exactly. So the first thing that uh, Will tried it on was cinnamon toast crunch cereal. Which just wigs me right the F out. Will's take on it was that it wasn't bad and it wasn't better. It was just different. Which makes me question his sanity. Thank you. (laughs) 
or maybe he has like some sort of condition that like house the tv show would have tackled where like his food receptacles like his taste buds are like all wonky and it's indicative that like he was bitten by like some african tsetse fly and now he's dying that's true yeah (laughs) brain tumor maybe yeah uh, so along the lines of Cinnamon Toast Crunch, he also tried it on pancakes and Oreos. And he had the same, not bad, not better, just different. Oreos, pancakes, things that don't belong together. Yeah. Uh, he tried it on raw jalapenos and he said it made it better, which well, I understand. That would bland it out. Yeah. You know. Kill the fire that's sitting on your tongue. Yeah. He tried it on avocado toast. Uh, the only review he left is, go do this now. So I guess Ben liked it. Or not Ben, Will this time. But I mean, that's just fat on fat on fat. Because avocados are so rich that I'm not at all surprised. Yeah, I know. Also, how old is this child? <laughs> this man child. This man child. <laughs> Sorry, Will. Uh, he tried it on PB&J. He's not sure if it's okay. And he called it a tangly menage a trois. So there's a burger joint here in Ottawa that'll put uh, peanut butter on burgers. And I'm always like, I want to try it, but I don't want to spend $18 to find out I don't like it. And I have a feeling PB&J is like that. If you ever buy those little like frozen sliders and try it on one of those, I Ooh, suppose. Then good you're point. just Good point. If you don't like it, you're just throwing out an itty bitty little sample of it. Yeah, good point. Fine. Uh, Cheetos. Will says this is what ranch was invented for. Which I can understand. Uh, I can. I haven't tried it, but I would imagine it's okay if you're just looking for a ranch delivery system. Yeah, like my child using bacon as a ketchup delivery service. <laughs> just dipping bacon in ketchup. Only time she'll eat ketchup is when she's dipping bacon in it. Oh, this child is so weird. I know. Delightful, but weird. Uh, he tried it as a chaser to whiskey, <laughs> which he called the trailer park special. And he describes <laughs> Ranch as the chaser of the gods. And, I mean, he tried it with Fireball Whiskey, so... Oh, God. <laughs> that, that just kills all taste buds. Did Now, my question is, did he start with this? That would explain... I had the exact same question. <laughs> if he that would started explain it. some of the other... Yeah. I mean, and how many tra- uh, whiskeys did he have? Yeah, I know. These are questions I have, too. The only thing on this list that he found made ranch, was made objectively worse by the addition of ranch, was Swedish fish. Which, duh. (laughs) Why would you add ranch to red dye numbers nine and high fructose corn syrup? Like, gelatin. And gelatin. It's... I mean, we saw that Also, coming. what was in this kid's cupboard? <laughs> this man child's cupboard. <laughs> Oreos, Swedish fish, Cheetos. Uh, Pancake mix. Peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly. And jalapenos. And jalapenos. Don't With go, fireball whiskey. With fireball. Don't go to Will's house for brunch, is what I learned. <laughs> <laughs> so let's end then with uh, BuzzFeed's listicle, 19 Things That Only People Who Are Obsessed With Ranch Understand. Uh, this is by Dave Stopra and Kevin Smith. And no, not that Kev Smith. But every time I see the name on an article, I'm like, oh, Kev got a second job. It's not Kev. <laughs> it would be like his 16th job. This I is bet. true. <laughs> so uh, Kevin and Dave provide us with a definitive list of what those living the, quote, hashtag ranch life are putting the stuff on. 
Some of it has some logical uses, like salad, pizza, mott sticks, fries, grilled cheese and veggies, mac and cheese, chicken fingers, burgers, quesadillas, baked potatoes, tater tots, and tacos, which I will confirm is awesome. Instead of sour cream, you put like a line of ranch down a taco and it's... I mean, kicks it up a notch. Well, yeah, just bastardizing tacos anyway. So. Well, tacos are already bastardized for the most part in North America. Like, it's not real Mexican food, so you might as well just go yeah. whole hog. Um, but I am interested in trying the grilled cheese dipped in ranch at this point. That seems like it could be good for me, at least. Yeah. <laughs> the list, uh, the listicle also provides some questionable uses, which just skeeved me out. Uh, adding it to pasta with red meat sauce. Ugh. Yeah. Um, to the same vein, lasagna, throwing it on that, like, also, dri- yeah. like, cooked lasagna, and then you just put, like, a, oh, God. Like, Why? It's already saucy. What yeah. Do you, uh, rice, which, again, just a line of ranch down a, down a bowl of rice just doesn't appeal. No. I get that. Corn, which is a crime, because. Yeah, only thing on corn should be butter and salt. Yeah. Maybe pepper if you're of that vein. Right. But it's pretty perfect to start off with while yeah. you gotta up anyway. And mashed potatoes, which I kind of agree with, and that's more of a texture thing. Mm. Or I don't agree with, and that's a texture thing. Yeah, I don't like my like mashed potatoes to be too soupy. soupy. Yeah. I like them to be kind of thick, maybe a little chunky. Mm-hmm. So I don't really think BuzzFeed has a lot of ground, solid ground to stand on here because the worst thing ever done to ranch, as far as I'm concerned, was a tasty recipe for a ranch barbecue pasta bake. And it was like fusilli pasta and then the sauce was equal parts ranch and barbecue. And then you toss it with the pasta and cheese and black beans and corn. And so as I'm reading the recipe, I'm like, I like all of these things independent of one another, so it must be good if you mix them all together. It was not. It was disgusting. (laughs) I don't know if it was just the brands of like barbecue sauce and ranch that I was using or if it was the equal parts mixture, but it was so sweet and it was so gross and off-putting that I had like four bites out of an entire casserole of pasta and I'm just like, I cannot eat this. So. So I really think after that, BuzzFeed needs to keep the name of Ranch out of its mouth and not talk of it ever again. No likes to stand on it. So is Ranch healthy? No. Is it tasty? Yeah. For the most part, if it's your thing. Uh, And I really cannot believe that I got more than three pages of notes out of what was basically a joke topic designed to prove the validity of our podcast. Oh, there you go. But it was a little bit bonkers. And everyone took themselves far too seriously. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I, I think sometimes that's with food articles. Like, I love finding new recipes. Then it's like so, when you get a food blogger, it's just so obnoxious because you've got to scroll down oh, through yeah. the ads and through the, you know, my mother lived in Sweden and told me stories of the Alps. So here I am making mac and cheese. Like, who yeah. cares? I just want the recipe. <laughs> yeah. With its direction. It's always some sort of insane background story that nobody cares about. Exactly. It's a hassle. I know. But yeah. It's a pain. So that's Ranch. So uh, on to you, Andy. What uh, what rabbit hole did you fall down this week? 
So a few weeks ago, I was doing some flying around the country and some uh, travel for work. It was sort of coincided with this story that some people might remember uh, that this Quant, uh, not Qantas flight, um, Emirates flight was flying into New York and got quarantined because they had a bunch of sick passengers. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, so on this flight, so one of the reasons it got so much, uh, I guess, coverage is because on the flight was Vanilla Ice. <laughs> Slow news day, Vanilla Ice is what's leading your attention. But he was on this flight and he was live tweeting like all of the ambulance because the, the plane didn't make it quite to the airport. They had to stand back a bit. Stand back a bit. Ambulances and fire trucks showed up to attend to the passengers that were sick. So everybody was delayed getting off. And he was on the second floor because it was a two sort of Decker, right. giant Emirate flight. And Vanilla Ice can afford to fly first class. But Vanilla Ice was much smarter with his money than we would give him credit for. Because <laughs> he's actually, yeah, like, like MC Hammer. Right. <laughs> or other one-hit wonders. Um, he's actually been quite smart, although his real name is something Van Winkle. <laughs> so I think he should have just stuck with that because it's a much better name. Well, not if you're trying to break into rap in the 90s. That's true. <laughs> But Van Winkle would have worked. Just well, band. ironically, now. <laughs> yes, that is true. There's some really bad names out there. Um, so he was, like, live tweeting. And so originally it was, like, 100 people are sick. It was really 10 people. But um started this whole thing to be, like, sort of brought me back to the movie Contagion and mm-hmm. how like, an airplane and, and the prominence of air travel can spread pandemics very quickly in countries and continents it probably wouldn't have uh before air travel becoming quite as popular absolutely so they were talking about how they quarantined a flight because people were sick and they had some people in observation and some people stayed in the hospital to try to figure out what it was etc etc after reading this i found myself wondering what happens if someone gets ill shortly after flying so if someone gets ill and it's a serious contagious disease such as tb measles rubella whooping cough and meningitis the local public health authority calls the CDC quarantine station, or I'm sure they would call the Canadian equivalent, uh, because other passengers might have been exposed. Officially, the person who got sick is called the index case, but I'm going to call it patient zero because that's much more fun. That or typhoid Mary. Typhoid Mary. Whatever floats your boat. The quarantine office first must determine if patient zero was contagious during the flight. So they decide the timeline, if the timeline of the disease would match up with when they were flying. Uh, Then they contact all the passengers in the contact zone. The contact zone is different for each disease, but TB, measles, and rubella, the contact zone is the entire row of patient zero, plus the two rows in front and the two rows behind. They also will contact parents of any children two or under, as they may have not been fully vaccinated because you don't have your full vaccinations Mm -hmm. by that point as well as all traveling companions of the patient if they weren't sitting in that sort of contact zone. When you travel with your boss, you try to travel nowhere near, you try to get seated nowhere near them, so you do not have to talk to them during your flight or deal with their, like, you know, crazy habits they might have. Right. How they contact you is the information that you give when booking, and in the case of international flights, they sort of augment that with the information that you give on customs. Right. So where you're staying, etc., which I never know. It is always a challenge for me to answer. Like, how do I know what the street address is for random hotel XYZ that I'm going to? It used, I used to just, like, <laughs> put down random stuff 
because I wouldn't remember my sister's address. <laughs> so they use your customs form to supplement the contact information, especially if you're going to a hotel or something. So it's very important that you know where Hotel XYZ is. So the most important thing I took away from this bit of research is to provide as complete and accurate information as possible. Uh, so, because you never know when they could need to contact you, uh, the rise of anti-vaxxers be damned. These things are going to start happening. Mm-hmm. So when you're going to resort whatever or hotel whatever, make sure you put some information down or your like cell phones. Now we have cell phones. It's a lot easier to contact people. Or, you know, we can nip all this in the bud if those goddamn anti-vaxxers would just stop listening to a Playboy Bunny and actually listen to their doctors. I know. Vaccinate your children, people. Like, it's now inconveniencing me because I had to get doubled up on my MMR shots the last time I flew for a vacation. And I'm in my 30s. And the doctor was just like, you know what, just to be safe because people are idiots and aren't vaccinating their children, you should probably get it so you're not spreading it around. I was like, well, damn it. (laughs) Yes, I had to get, uh, because I wasn't actually immune anymore after that we found out when I was pregnant with uh, my second kid. So after I had a given birth, they shot me up with a another round of it yeah an mmr booster which is funny because that's the third time i've had the MMR <laughs> vaccine <but laughs> you just keep killing it off in your apparently, system <laughs> apparently. so you can get sick and you would just kill that off too so i know you're all asking that's great but what is the dirtiest thing in an airport always i always ask that uh and i'm going to tell you but first can you guess what the cleanest part of an airport is see i would think anywhere but the bathrooms because people are disgusting. Bathrooms are the cleanest because they get cleaned what? really frequently. Oh, uh, okay. So the least place you're the the place you're least likely to contact germs in an airport is the toilet seats, the toilet flushers, and the knobs in the stalls. Well, because those are cleaned fairly regularly. Like, that makes sense. And they're cleaned with like pretty strong disinfectants. Yeah. So uh, our fear of public bathrooms may be somewhat unfounded. Depends on where the public bathroom obviously yeah. is. Uh, a study out of Finland that was published in a biomedical infectious disease control journal looked at how airports and the continued growth of air, uh, air travel increased the likelihoods of rapid spread of infectious diseases between countries and continents, such as the SARS outbreak, which, believe it or not, was 15 years ago. I know, I feel so old now. See, I was working at a theater the summer that happened, and a guy that I was working with had just gotten a puppy, and we convinced him to name the dog SARS, so he would always remember where we were at that time. I just realized that dog's probably dead. I know, or very, very... Very old. Yeah. So depressing. Poor SARS. Poor little SARS. Poor, fluffy, adorable Labrador SARS. He was a chocolate lab. Aww. I know. (laughs) He's probably old. Hopefully. Or, Or he's living on a farm. Yeah, that's true. He's gone to the farm. (laughs) So they swabbed a number of places in the passenger environment of the Helsinki-Vanta airport during the height of cold and flu season in 2016. And they also took air samples over a number of weeks. Uh, The places, so they they did all of this repeatedly over a number of weeks. They took air samples, swabbed a bunch of stuff just to see uh, what places had the most amount of contagious and infectious diseases. Uh, the places that tested positive for viruses such as, but not limited to, influenza A, the rhinovirus, and the human corona OC43 virus, a.k.a. the common cold, is listed by grossness. <laughs> so the plastic bins that you had to put all your shit in 
uh, including your carry-on luggage and the crap in your pockets and your sweater, your are the worst. Oh, man. Uh, they had a lot of viruses, especially around the handles or the under side. So yeah. I read this, and I actually bought hand sanitizer. So <laughs> when I was going through the airports, as soon as I was, like, putting my stuff in, as soon as I was putting my stuff out, I was, like, dosing down. Per, uh, Perel on it on me as like before I was even out of that area I'm just like standing there I'm like I don't care that I'm holding up the line I am not getting diseases from you people toys in children player play areas the handrails of stairs uh the buttons on pay stations in this instance uh in the pharmacy Mm -hmm. I probably assume that pay stations at like parking is probably equally as gross or unless people were at the pharmacy because they were sick and they needed to pick up something that's true and desk and dividers at passport areas. Ugh. So what do all these things have in common is that they are not frequently cleaned, whereas bathrooms are cleaned quite frequently throughout the day. The authors of the studies have some great suggestions for future protocols, including creating better queuing systems. So if you think of how like they have jammed in, mm-hmm. like a queue is designed to maximize the amount of people you can get in a small space, yeah. but that also maximizes disease uh, infection because like you think of the sneeze so on a and think of that quarantine section on a plane you have two rows of two rows above two rows behind think yeah. of how many people if that space you took that space and put it in a queue situation you would have four times the amount of people in a queue in that same space <clears throat> so that you've got so many more people that are potentially like and it's not just that they're able to fit in that space it's that everyone's passing through that space yes so that um, you're like getting it all over the the dividers, the biters, and yeah, <sighs> spreading it on those people's phones because they're looking at staff because those queues could take a while, etc. Yeah. Grossness. Um, so creating a better queuing system that uh, spreads people out a bit more. Um, have many hand sanitizer stations around places of intense repeated touching of items, such as screening. Uh, and increased cleaning of areas and things that like pl- those plastic bins and the toys area. To check out the full article, I'll reference it on our website. It's quite interesting. It's probably one of the few times that I've ever actually read a full academic article. <laughs> uh, like a full academic article. This is, you know, I usually just skim abstracts for right. writing. <laughs> but I actually read a full, full, I think there's a second one. In a future episode, we'll talk about another academic article i wrote i read so look at me growing as a human as a result of this so to recap airports and airplanes are gross bring hand sanitizer wipes and wash your hands as many times as you can i'm like an okay hand washer but now after reading this like my hands were (laughs) chapped after coming back from because i flew to calgary then i flew from calgary to edmonton then i flew back which basically made me fly from Edmonton to Calgary and Calgary to Ottawa again. So, yeah. So, And I learned for Christmas, you can get me a hazmat suit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and also make sure that when you're booking your flight or doing your uh, customs that you give complete contact information when booking flights. So, for personally, now when I'm booking flights for myself or I book flights for other people as my job, uh, that I will actually make sure that I know people's cell phone numbers so I can put them down as opposed to just putting them in the general office. Right, which was what I was doing when yeah. I was doing your job on that leave. And, I mean, good luck trying to call that office at 
anytime after 5 p.m. or a weekend. Yeah. Because no one's going to be there. Nope. So <laughs> I will make sure to put down more uh, complete contact information. Uh, so if someone from public health or the CDC uh, or whatever, wherever you're going, can reach you when you get there. So they can reach you if anything happens. So that's my words of wisdom. Oh, boy. This was uh, a really creepy, I don't think I ever want to travel again type of situation that you just put me in. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, I was writing this as I was flying, remember? Oh, that's like reading a scary story at night in the dark by yourself. Yeah, there's a whole lot of like, I, it's probably the, I don't buy a whole lot of saying hand sanitizer because I, you know. Well, at a certain point, like you're just def- like making the situation worse for everyone. So I'm not a big hand sanitizer person either because we need a certain amount of yes. germs in our life. What we don't need in our life is Ebola. Yeah. <laughs> so Or SARS. Or SARS. Or rubella. Swine flu yeah. was big when I was traveling to London. That was forever ago. Or the movie Contagion. Yes. Which Gwyneth Paltrow is like my avatar every time I get sick. That's how you know I'm sick. If my avatar changes to Gwyneth Paltrow dying on a hospital bed. It's because I only suffer from man colds. and <laughs> She really does. I do. It's bad. And so I get it. <laughs> Watching Contagion was both the best and the worst thing I could have done for myself. I know. <laughs> So that is our episode for today. Uh, we certainly hope you enjoy it. Uh, we would love to connect with you. We would love to start building our community and have you join us in all the fun. You can reach us on our website at www.rabbitholespodcast.com. It's where you can also find all our show notes. So we put up links for all the articles where we got our information from. Uh, you can also email us if you have an idea for a rabbit hole that you want us to cover, or if you want to tell us about one of your rabbit holes. You can reach us at rabbitholespodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we are all over the social. Um, Hit us on Twitter at rabbitholespod. We have a Facebook page. um, Just search the show name. And then we're on Instagram at rabbitholespodcast. We also have Patreon. So if you want to uh, support us, show us how much you love the podcast, show us that we're not just screaming into the void, uh, you can support us either by going to Patreon forward slash rabbit holes podcast or connect by the support tab on our website. Lots of fun stuff coming to the not so secret secret part of our website for Patreons of the Vatine tier and above, as well as some other just um, Patreon episode onlys that we're actually, we're going to be recording our first one today. Um, And then we have our merchandise. So if you want a really cool um, sticker or rabbit holes uh, mug, you can find it in on redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash rabbit holes pod or find the link on our merch tab on our website. Also give us a good rating on iTunes, Stitcher and or Google play whenever you down or wherever you download this podcast. It helps with our visibility as well as just reaffirming our life choices. Um, So yeah, just uh, help us out in any way you can please. And thank you. (laughs) Yes. So just one last thing to remind everyone of, and that is, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Bye, guys. Bye.